Sunday with Miriam on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by BlackRock Health, providing patients with world-class clinical care and comfort, enabling swifter recoveries. Tweet at Miriam O'Call. Now, my next guest this morning is part of Irish publishing royalty, being the man responsible for the Ross O'Carroll Kelly series. His talents are not, however, confined to Ross, as he's now about to publish his second children's book in the Aldrin Adams series called Aldrin Adams and the Legend of Nemesis. Nemesis. <laughs> morning, Paul Howard. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. Great. Brilliant to be here. And I was actually thinking, of course, you had written children's books, hadn't you, with Gordon Darcy? I did. The Gordon's Game series. Yeah, Yeah. I did. I did the Gordon's Game series with with Gordon and it was, Gordon wanted to write the story of his life as a rugby player, but he didn't want to do it as a serious autobiography. He wanted it as a series of children's books. And I thought it was a brilliant idea. So that was my introduction to it. But given the success you've had with the Ross O'Carroll Kelly why did you think yourself then of going into children's fiction? Well, you know, I, I read a lot of books as a kid. Um, I, I, you know, I have I have a, a nephew and a niece. I love sort of telling them stories. Um, and I, I, I just love children's stories. You know, it's, it's great writing books for children because you can be as silly, as daft, as ridiculous as you like, as long as you tell kids the rules. So as long as you say at the start, so my books, it's this kid, Aldrin Adams, he's eight years of age when he eats cheese just before he goes to sleep at night and he thinks really, really hard about somebody. He can get into their nightmares and help them with whatever's troubling them, whatever's worrying them when when they're asleep. And once you once you explain that to a kid, it's like it's like saying the Harry Potter books. He's a kid. He's in wizard school and kids go, yeah, OK. And they'll believe anything you tell them after that. And I just love that idea, you know, with with the Ross books, I have to have some uh, some semblance of normality <laughs> to the Ross or Carol Kelly books. But with kids books, you can just kind of let it go. And I love that. I love exercising my imagination uh, in that way. But then I love bringing the stories to kids. I love going and reading to them and kind of watching their reaction um, so when I like when I public when I'm sort of doing events around the cheese nightmares books, I bring really, really smelly cheeses with me. <laughs> and there's a cheese called Limburger, which you can't really buy in Ireland. Like you couldn't go to Sheridan's and say, do you have any Limburger? But it's it's notoriously the smelliest cheese in the world. <laughs> and uh, Mary, my wife and I, we were in Berlin uh, about a year ago and we went to this cheese shop and we, we said, do you have any Limburger? Because I couldn't get it anywhere. And they said, yeah, we have some here. They cut me some Limburger and they said, you know, there are even smellier cheeses than this. <laughs> so we bought three or four of them, uh, brought them back to Ireland. They vacuum packed them for us because I was doing a cheese event. Uh, and, you know, the idea is I, I sort of I bring the cheeses out and say to the kids, just like I'm I'm licensed by the government to handle these cheeses. You can't handle them for more than five seconds, but just smell what's in the bag. And they are absolutely vile smelling. And when I opened the vacuum packing, I had to take a step back. <laughs> and the fun of kind of introducing those cheeses to an audience of kids, it was just, it's its so much Because so they much just fun. love fun. Yeah, yeah, they love anything that's kind of disgusting and yeah. smelly. And that's the, that's the fun of writing a book like Aldrin Adams, because I describe the cheeses and I describe why they're so smelly. Uh, for instance, there's one cheese that smells of smelly feet 
And the reason it smells of smelly feet is because it's the same bacteria involved in smelly feet that's involved in, in this particular cheese. Uh, and kids just li- love hearing that stuff. Also, you're quite autobiographical in a way, aren't you? Like this little boy and his friends, they're kind of outsiders, aren't they? Yeah. How much of... Paul is in these children. The kids in the school, he's in a group. There's four of uh, four of them all together. They're called the Oddballs. And they're known as the Oddballs mm. by the other kids in the school, but they wear it as a badge of honour. And they don't see, they see, they are outsiders. <clears throat> they have their own little table in the cafeteria, but they see this as a, as, as a good thing, that they're different. And they see that their differences are something to be celebrated and not, not to be ashamed of. Um, and yeah, there's a bit of me in it. Like I, I suppose, you know, I, I kind of had an unusual upbringing in that I, I, I was born in England. We moved to Ireland in 1979, those years, 79, 80, 81. Mm-hmm. They weren't the, the, the best years to be walking around with a Cockney accent in an Irish school. And I was, I was, re- I was proper Grange Hill kid. Like I was, oh, I might watch ya. <laughs> And, um, you know, during the years that those those years in particular of the troubles to have an accent like that in an Irish school was mm. pretty was pretty tough. And um, so, yeah, I, I would have kind of seen myself as an outsider. You know, I was quite I was a scrawny kid. I had glasses. My nickname was Buddy Holly in school because they were those kind of national health, health glasses, service, yeah. which are quite fashionable now. I'm yeah, told. really fashionable. <laughs> I see people wearing them without even without lenses in them, you know, just kind of. <laughs> wearing them as fashion items. But um, yeah, so I, I would have seen myself as a bit of an outsider, definitely. And do you think that impacted on you long term or not? Um, I think, yeah, I mean, not in a serious way. I think I think it it made me the kind of person who sort of stepped back and looked at things. I think I'm an observer. I've always been an observer. I was never one for peer pressure. Uh, as a as a child, as a teenager, or as an adult, like I never kind of felt like everybody's doing this thing, so I should do this thing as mm-hmm. well. I was the one who kind of stood back and went, "Why is everybody doing that thing? That's a little bit absurd." And I think that kind of fed into the Ross Carroll Kelly thing as well. I think that's why I was kind of, I kind of looked at that whole lifestyle madness that was happening during those Celtic Tiger years, like my friends. Uh, who I grew up with in Ballybrack, uh, <laughs> having hot tubs fitted in their back gardens, that kind of thing. And I, I remember sitting in this hot tub with, my, with a friend of mine and his whole family. It was just the <laughs> weirdest thing. Like, you know, we're all sort of semi-naked at three o'clock in the afternoon in this hot tub. And I think I looked at that and kind of, I was able to see the absurdity of it. I think that's, I think that's true, yeah, because I was on the outside. I always think it's hilarious that you wrote it in a sense, you know, kind of, taking the proverbial out of people. But in the end, the very people you were writing about, they just loved it. Like, in other words, Ross Carroll Kelly became loved by the people in the sense it was aimed at. Yeah, which was, it's, it's an unending sense of disappointment to me. And I've totally, I've totally failed as a satirist in that the people I'm aiming at. But I do think I, I it was Moliere said that, you know, the, 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 the purpose of satire was to to correct men while amusing them. Mm. And I think that was, that's the Ross thing. I mean, I, 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 did, a, I did a reading on, um, on Friday afternoon to some Willow moms 
Willow Park bombs. There must have been about 400 of them there, you know. And I read four, I read four pieces to them and did loads of stand-up around it aimed solely at Willow Moms and they just laughed at the whole thing. So I think they, I used to think they kind of saw other people in it, but I think they do see a bit of themselves in it, but they see a bit of themselves that they can laugh at. And I think, you know, I think that's the secret of it. Which are easier to write, your children's book, like Aldrin Adams or Ross? Um, Because I think because I've been writing Ross for 25 years, I find Mm. it, probably easier than I do Aldrin Adams. Aldrin, this is the second book in the Aldrin Adams series. So it's um, I'm I'm in a way I'm still finding my voice, you know, it's um, mm. uh, and also uh, the, 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 the plots are the, the Ross books tend to come from real life. Like I take events, things that are really happening, like took like, for instance, uh, Trump. I've turned Charles O'Carroll Kelly, Ross's dad, into a kind of Trump figure now, and he's now the T-shock in the latest book. And uh, so, so they're kind of drawn drawn from real life events. Whereas the the Aldrin Adams books are drawn purely from my imagination. Mm. So I find them a little bit more difficult to write, uh, but I enjoy it. Like it's a it's a completely different discipline and a different challenge. And you put serious themes in as well, like you know. The little boy in this, his mum is dead. Yeah. 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 It's um, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one as well because mm. you do have to, you do have to kind of flag it with an audience. You know that that there's that this is a little boy who's dealing with lots and lots of, uh, you know, difficult things in his life. Like he's, his dad is running running a cheesemongers, the local cheesemongers, and he lives, they, they live in a flat above it. Uh, they're both dealing with. The fact that the moment their mm. his mother and uh, Doug's wife have died, and um, and it's a struggle. And I think uh, kids, you know, kids respond well to that to mm. the idea of a, of a you know of, of of a kid having struggles in life, having to overcome obstacles. It's what children's fiction is all about, really. You know, Harry Potter mm. was exactly the same. You know, Harry Potter lost his parents and starts in this this. Um, uh, school for Wizards where he's a bit of an outsider and he's trying to fit in and I think that's the key to children's books really it's giving kids as many obstacles as possible that they have to successfully overcome and of course your obsession with cheese yourself <laughs> is part of this I mean you had to give it up largely didn't you for oh, health reasons I did I had my gallbladder removed um, 18 months ago now and um, I there's it's kind of a trial and error thing, finding what you can and can't eat afterwards. And uh, cheese is one of those things I have to eat in moderation, but I can't eat it in moderation. I can't pass that Sheridan's counter in Dunn's stores. I have to be dragged away by the ankles. And while I was researching uh, the first Aldrin Adams book, uh, Kevin Sheridan of Sheridan's very, very kindly offered to give me, uh, uh, you know, a class in how to run a cheesemonger. So, uh, but anyway, I, I just can't, I can't, I just love it so much. The smellier, the better. I just, I'd eat it all the time if I could. But the curse of it for me is it gives me nightmares. I, when I eat cheese, especially before I go, just before I go to bed, Mary and I were out for dinner the other night and I finished with a cheese course, which I always do because I don't really like desserts. And I just know I'm having disrupted, strange dreams that night. 
Well, yeah, which is amazing that you still do it. But yeah. when you walked in today, actually, I said how well you look. And you were saying last year you were actually quite ill again. Yeah, I had uh, shingles late late last year. Yeah, yeah. I just mm -hmm. had a run of things for about three months, just one thing after another, you know. But I'm well again now, you know. But the shingles is, it, it just flattens you for a while, you know, for, mm -hmm. for probably... But six weeks afterwards, I was feeling just really, really lethargic and all the rest. And you've got to work as well at the same time. You Do know? you push yourself too much in a way? Like yeah. you work, you work long hours, you write mm. long hours. Mm. I get up early in the morning. I get up at about five o'clock every morning and five I start work. Yeah. Why? Well, I've just discovered that my brain is more active at that time. I just discovered my brain is more creative at that time. So I'll get up at five and I'll work until maybe one. And then the afternoon, the afternoon, forget it. That's when I tend to do emails and stuff like that, because yeah. um, it's my day. It feels like in my, in my mind, like my day is done. We'll continue being super successful. Your new book, Aldrin Adams and the Legend of Nemesis. Actually, it's a great read. It's published on February the 2nd by Penguin Books. Thanks so much, Paul, for being Thanks my so much guest for today. Me. Stay being fast.